Well, hey, hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is episode number 514 and session number 160 of Ask Scott. This is where I answer your questions here on the podcast, and I do it every single week. And this is our time to sit down at the table, have a cup of coffee, and just talk about business, talk about life. And this is one of my highlights of the week, so I love it that you're here and you're spending this 20, 25, 30 minutes, whatever this episode ends up being with me. And hopefully we can get you through some of those sticking points or just even just switch a little bit of that mindset of yours uh, and really keep you on the road to success. All right. So today, what we're going to be talking about, just to kind of throw it out there, let you guys know exactly what we're going to be talking about, the questions that came in, changing a current brand. All right. We're going to talk about that. We're going to also talk about trademarking and multiple products. We're also going to talk about scaling sponsored product ads. So that's what we're going to be talking about in today's episode. Now, if you have a question that you want me to answer on an upcoming Ascot session, all you have to do is head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash ask. And that's it. Just go over there, leave your first name, where you're tuning in from, and just a brief question. And then I will do my best to address it here on an upcoming Ascot session. All right. Woo. That intro, I'll tell you, it took me a couple times today to get through that because I had so much energy. I was out of breath as I was saying episode uh, 514, session 160. I was out of breath because I'm just so fired up and got to kind of calm myself down a little bit. A lot of cool things happening and just really a great time to be alive, to be honest with you. And there's a lot of things that we need to be grateful for and, uh, and really just happy to be alive to experience because it's a great time. Yes, there's a lot of negativity out there in the world, but that doesn't mean that we have to be a part of that. We can go out there, make a difference in the world, and just uh, you know, make someone smile for the day. As simple as that. I mean, it's as simple as that. Just doing something good for someone else. All right. So think about that. There's one little thing that I want you to do for the week or the weekend. All right. So before we jump in to today's questions, I did want to bring up another another thing here that I think you might relate to because I think we've all had this moment in our life, but I realized it just the other day. I was having uh, another uh, conversation with my uh, my oldest daughter who was here visiting for a week. So we had a lot of great conversations sitting out by the pool, just her and I uh, and the new dog, Maisie. If you guys have not uh, heard the episode of me talking about the new dog, yes, we have a new dog and her name is Maisie. And uh, Brody is still trying to uh, adjust to having someone else in his domain. So I'll keep you posted on that. But yeah, we're, you know, just having good conversations and, you know, talking about life and business. And, and it's funny because, you know, my, my daughter was like, you know, dad, it's not about just going out there and making a whole bunch of money. And it's kind of like a dirty word in a sense. And I'm like, you're a hundred percent right. And I don't ever want you or anyone else thinking that money is a dirty word. And what I mean by that is people think that, you know, if I go out there and if I charge for something, it's kind of like you're, uh, you know, you're doing, you're, you're making money off of someone and you feel bad about that, right? The, the thing is though, like we're creating services for people in life for them to pay each other in a sense, right? Like if you get a haircut, that person's doing a service for you. You want to get a good haircut or, you know, you want your hair colored or whatever, right? Like you're doing a service. You wouldn't do that necessarily for free forever. You couldn't, you couldn't survive because your life 
that you have, even if it's the simplest life, you still have to pay for your electric and your, your gas and your, your phone and like just the, the essentials, right? Like your, your rent or your mortgage, like your car, like even if it's nothing fancy, you still have to pay for that stuff. So you have to make some money. So we were having this conversation and, uh, I said to her, I go, I don't want you to ever think of making money as a dirty word in a sense. I want you to think about it this way. If you're creating a brand, which you are really passionate about, you want to help people. And that could be just you making someone smile with the product that you sell them is making them, uh, a, you know, having a better experience, right? Like, so you can go as like a garlic press, for instance, right? Like if you give someone a really good garlic press and it satisfies the need that they need, they're ultimately going to be happy because they're going to create really nice meals that they might sit around and have great conversations with their family, right? So the more garlic presses you get out there, right? The more good you could be delivering. You need to think about it that way. Now, if you're just going out there to make the money, yes, that can be hard, right? Because then you are just constantly focusing on the money. But if we think about the customer journey in a sense, and I like to use the customer journey as an example, because if someone buys a garlic press, I can give that person an extremely great customer experience. I mean, let's face it, right? Like I can do better follow-up. I could make sure that they get 10 recipes that they're going to be able to use immediately. Like, and I know it sounds kind of silly, but it's the truth. Okay. A lot of people are just looking at how do I go out there and make a buck? And I get it, right? Like I was like that in the past, just trying to feed my family, right? Like just trying to feed the family. I get it. Okay. But if we can kind of turn that a little bit and just switch the way that we think about that and that we're not just selling some something to someone like, again, I would never say just sell a piece of crap, right? Like do not sell a fidget spinner necessarily just to make the money. I'm not about that. I'm about building the brand. Now, if you can find a really good fidget spinner and it serves a purpose to that person, right? Or the kid or whatever, and it gives them a great experience. That's fine. I'm okay with that. I'm not, I'm not opposed to that, but I am more about trying to figure out a way to create a brand that you could be proud of in a sense, but then also you can tap into a market that can serve that market at even the smallest level, right? And when you do that, then it's not necessarily this this dirty word about making money, all right? Because a lot of people struggle with selling, right? I mean, for me, for the longest time, it was hard. When I got kind of good at selling in a sense and a little bit more comfortable, it was when I was actually communicating with customers in my father's business going all the way back to when I was 23 years old selling people that would walk into our showroom, I had to walk them through the product. I had to give them the benefits and the features. I had to talk about all of the stuff that we would give them as part of the package. And I would sell them on their experience and about also the trust of the company, like all of that stuff. So I want you, especially if you're thinking to yourself, you know, I'm thinking about making money and it just kind of feels like that's all you're doing is trying to make money. And to some of us, it feels a little a little dirty in a sense, uh, I want you to think differently about it. Think about creating really good products that serve a market, build a brand, and then you're doing good, right? And then you get to give someone what they need and want. You're able to be compensated for it. And then you're going to be able to live your life. And with your money, with your $100,000 a year that you're making, you're going to be able to then buy the things that are going to make you happy in a sense, as far as like going on that trip. And then everyone that kind of 
you you made in contact with that trip, you've paid them people, and then they are they're able to provide for their families, and it just it kind of circulates. But you got to think about it that way. But going back to the conversation I was having with my daughter, I was like, listen, I'm like, you need to think about it that you're not just out there trying to get more things for yourself. You're not out there just trying to buy the next new fancy car. You're actually trying to provide for your family. And then, you know, when you're, uh, you know, when your husband's out of the service, out of the Navy, you know, and you guys want to settle down and be in one location and just afford you know, a middle-class even lifestyle. And then maybe you're going to, you're going to be working more in charities and stuff. Cause that's really where your heart is. That's fine. But you need to understand that in order to get there, you have to make the money. And if you want to make the money, you have to, to me, have a way for you to do that where it feels good within you. If that makes sense, hopefully that makes sense to you guys. And hopefully I'm not going off on a side tangent here or a rant of some kind, but I, you know, it, it's a, it's a conversation that I had with her and she got it. And she's like, it, it makes sense. It makes total sense. You know, it's even like this with the podcast, you know, like for the longest time in the beginning, it was hard for me because I didn't want to go out there and monetize the podcast, but I knew that in order for me to reach more people, I need the podcast to start bringing new people in, but I also needed it to, to pay for itself. Right. And then eventually, yes, it can, it can come in and start to supplement the other income that I had coming in and I could spend more time on it so I can reach more people. And then I could give those people a better experience. I could give them more resources like the show notes and like the transcripts, like I've added, which cost me money every single week to put them together. But I know that they're adding value to you, the listener. And hopefully you guys will take them and use them and then better your life and create a brand that you guys can, can use to serve a market. And then to build something that you might build now and then sell later. And then that'll transition you into another part of your life and your journey. All right. So again, I want you guys to think about that. If you've ever felt that like selling just feels dirty to you in a sense, or a dirty word of making money online, because I know that that, that has become just a really dirty topic online and it doesn't have to be if you're out there doing good. And if you're out there building a business that can serve a market. Period. And if you can create a better user experience or a better customer journey, as I like to call it, then I'm all for it. And I think you should be as well. So I shared that with my daughter and she seemed to like it. So I thought I'd share that with you guys and hopefully you guys take a little something away from that. But I'll go back to my daughter again because I'm so proud of her and what she's become and and just spending that, that week with her since she's been back. Uh, it made me really realize that, you know, she was the one that changed my life and my, my wife's life forever, not just with this amazing, beautiful daughter that we have now that's grown into a, a, a young lady, uh, but because she was small at that time and I was missing out on the opportunities of being there, she made me say to myself, I cannot work a nine to five. I will not work a nine to five. I will not miss those special moments. I will not feel guilty for not being there. All right. And so that, you know, that one thing in my life, that, that child that I had, you know, going back now, almost 23 years, you know, that changed my life. And I know a lot of people like they have kids. It's like, they changed my life. They make me value life more. It's true. But 
you know, by her again, being, you know, a small child at the time made me realize that I did, I never wanted to miss out on that. And I would do anything I had to do to build a business that my wife and I could be there every step of the way. And that's what we did. Going back to my story of the photography business, we built that business so we could create our own schedule, drive our kids to school, be home at night, you know, uh, all of that stuff. Then, you know, that kind of transitioned us to where we wanted to make a change so we could not have to be reliant on just, you know, our customers that were coming through our brick and mortar. And then we wanted to move online and do the online thing. And we did that. And you guys have heard the story. And if you haven't, go back and check it out. Episode 300 gives you the entire story pretty much. All right. But you need to understand that this is a journey. This is your journey. And there's probably been one thing in your life that you can go back to and go, wow, that one thing changed the direction of my life forever. You know, so think about that. Think about that. And if you're at that place right now where you're like, I want to get out of that, that nine to five job so I can be there for my family or I could be there for those uh, special occasions with, you know, whomever, you know, think about that for a second, because if you don't, where will you be in 12 months if you do nothing right now? Like you have to start. It's not going to happen overnight, but you have to just start. You know, I've said that time and time again, but just think about it. What is that one thing that could switch it for you? Or what is your why? As I always talk about, right? You got to figure that out. And if you do, it's pretty powerful, pretty powerful. All right. So let's, uh, let's, let's kick this up a notch. Now, what do you say? Let's go ahead and, uh, let's listen to today's first question. I will give you my answer. We will get this baby rocking and rolling. Let's keep the energy up. What do you say? Let's do this. Hello, Scott. This is Dale from Redondo Beach, California. I've been a longtime listener and I've been on uh, FBA for almost three years now and um, things are going really good. Um, I'm to the point where um, I need to make some changes um, for the better for my product. Uh, my question for you is going to be regarding how do you make these changes and not lose uh, any SEO juice or rankings that I've gotten so far. Uh, for instance, um, when I first started, I bought my barcodes off of eBay. Um, I know now that uh, Amazon has changed their policy, so I like to be compliant and change my barcodes to the proper GS1 barcodes. Um, I'm also going to put in a new logo and a new uh, label design. And at some point, I probably need to tweak my brand name as well in order to get a trademark and to be compliant with the uh, new brand registry. Um, when I do these things, what's the best way to uh, convert over to this new design um, and not lose any of the uh, you know the search terms and all, all, the, all the great momentum I've got before? Is it to create a new listing or... Um, I really don't want to run one down and then start the other one up after that. So is it better to create a new listing or is it better to change your current listing and the pictures and all that stuff? I'm um, just wondering if you had any experience on trying to convert a um, or, or change a product into something, uh, into a new barcode or into a new uh, local design. Thank you very much and I appreciate all the good work you've done. Hey, Dale, thank you so much for the question. And uh, this is a good one because you've got some momentum, which is great right? You want to change your logo or your packaging, which I think is fine. I guess my only concern is, is you said that you bought some, uh, UPC codes off of, uh, eBay or a third party service, which I still think is okay. My question would be, have you run them through the GS one database? Have you seen if these are ones that were purchased from GS one? I would be very, very careful on changing them, especially if there's no warnings or there's any red flags, because 
if you do decide to kind of like close down that listing and start a new one, you're starting from zero. So you're not going to have that link juice. You're not going to have anything that you've created as far as history goes. The reviews won't be carried over. And even if you called Amazon, I would, I would probably bet that they won't carry them over, even though the product is the same, just new packaging, and you've got a new UPC. Uh, I, I mean, I've never heard that being done. So I'd be very careful with that. Um, so I would definitely look at the GS1 database with the current codes that you have, and I would see if there's any issues there. If there's no issues there, then I, I think that you could just update your packaging and leave everything as is, in a sense, um, because you have new packaging. It's kind of like a new design. I don't see any problem with doing that. Now, brand registry-wise, that's a little different story because if you're going to change your name, um, then that could make a difference. I don't know because we don't really know if people are searching by your brand name or if they're being found. Maybe your brand name has your keyword in there. I don't know. Um, but that would be something I would think about later in a sense. You could always have your main brand and then have these be part of that brand, just even just different versions of the brand name, if that makes sense. Um, but that could be a little tricky. But I'd be careful uh, getting rid of those, uh, those listings that are currently working, unless you're doing a total rehaul on the product themselves, then you could always add a variation to that listing with just a different version, you know, a different strap, a different connector or whatever. Um, then you can do that. So I would just be careful with that. Think it through before you, uh, you delete or, uh, or just shut down a listing and start over again. Um, I would want to definitely make sure that I checked all that stuff out, but you're on the right track and uh, sounds like you're doing pretty good. So props to you, man. Awesome job. Keep me posted. Let me know what you decide and how it works out for you. Um, hopefully that gave you a few things to think about. All right. So uh, good luck. Let's go ahead and listen to the next question and I'll give you my answer. Let's do it. Hi, Scott. This is Nick calling from Ohio. Uh, I want to thank you for um, all your, your podcasts and your resources. I can't believe the uh, progress I've made in the past couple months and I owe a lot of that to you. Uh, so thank you. Um, I have a question today kind of about um, trademarks and brand registry. Um, I've only started a couple months ago, so I, I do have a few products, but I don't have um, EBC or, uh, or really brand registry um, or a trademark. So um, since my products currently are unrelated, but I'm hoping to uh, kind of start more of a brand line um, in the near future, I guess my question is kind of, um, you know, what I what I need to apply for a trademark, sort of for my storefront name at the top of Seller Central, uh, which is also my LLC name, um, or should I be expecting to apply for trademarks for, um, you know, the air quote brand name of each individual product if I wanted the EBC benefits for each of my products? Um, my hope would be that I could kind of just get one for my LLC name or, or really like a blanket kind of trademark name that I could sort of apply to everything. Um, uh, and then in the future, if the brand was more successful, it'd maybe be more specific kind of trademark brand name uh, for for that actual brand or that particular line of products. So uh, hopefully that makes sense. Um, wondering if you can shed some light. I'm really not sure how to start that process or what would be a good way to go with it. Thanks, Scott. 
Hey, Nick, thank you so much for the question. And it's very similar to what Dale was saying. In a sense, you're a little bit uh, in the beginning stages. You've been at it a few months, which is awesome. And you've got some momentum going. But now you're starting to think about trademark. The only thing that I heard a little bit differently here is that you have products that are not related. Now, if they're not related, you've got something that you need to think about here. And that is, are you going to be an open brand in a sense? And with an open brand, that means in a sense that you have a brand that can sell different types of products. So think of yourself like you're an electronics company and you're going to sell all different brands under that electronics company, XYZ electronics, right? And then you're going to sell different brands of electronics underneath there. That's going to be hard to trademark the top brand in a sense. And then from there, because it's not directly uh, a product of the brand in a sense, then it's going to be hard to do that. And I'm not really sure how that would work. Your best bet is to pick one or, you know, something that's close to the brand and then start to make those products of the main brand. So I'm not quite sure how that would work without seeing your products and stuff and seeing if it, if it would even make sense to do that. But you're right. When you are going to apply for brand registry, you're going to need the trademark. And if you get a trademark on uh, XYZ Electronics, that's fine. But you're going to have to make sure that the products that are under that brand are going to be you know, directly related to it or that are tied to it. And then they would fall under your trademark or underneath your brand registry. Um, so just some things to think about. I would definitely ask you this question. Are there some products that you're just selling just because they're selling a few and they're not really going to contribute to the over, overall brand? Or are you building a brand of miscellaneous products in all different markets? And uh, to me, that's going to be a harder a harder thing to do there because you can't necessarily, uh, I can't, well, I shouldn't say you can't. It'll be harder to uh, to do a trademark um, not necessarily the trademark, but to get the brand registry. The trademark would be kind of easy to do because it's just the name we're talking about. We're getting it trademarked um, and what actually that trademark is protecting. But on the flip side of that, Amazon needs to then say, oh, this, this uh, brand, this trademark brand sells these products that it produces, that it creates or that it manufactures. So that's where it could get a little tricky. So not 100% sure where you're at with that, but hopefully that gave you some things to think about. And I would definitely say I would try to focus on a market uh, or at least a market and then a couple submarkets that are tied to that, uh, that brand. That's what I would do. All right. So hopefully this helped you. Anyone else listening, hopefully it helped you as well. And uh, yeah, let's go ahead and listen to the next question, the last question of today. And then we can get on with our weekend and get out there and start taking some action. What do you say? Let's do it. Hi, Scott. This is Michaela calling from Phoenix, Arizona. And I have a question on pay per click. Um, so I have an automatic campaign running. And it converts pretty well at about 8%. And then I took the keywords that are doing really well and I did a manual campaign. And now that's converting at about 10%. And I keep both of those running every day and those convert really well. But I'm wondering if I can keep adding additional campaigns and keep, do I, can you run more than one automatic campaign is I guess my first question. And if that makes any sense to do that, or should I be running multiple campaigns 
on different keywords or should I just keep with these two campaigns? I feel like they do really well. So I need to ramp them up more. I don't spend, I have it at $20 a day and it only spends about $3 a day. So I don't know if it's because I'm not getting searched enough, but I don't know. I need some advice on that pay-per-click, how many different ad sets to run and if we should be doing multiple uh, manual or automatic. Thanks so much. Love the podcast. Hey, Michaela, thank you so much for the question and another pay-per-click question. We get at least one or two of these a week. So I'm always uh, glad to answer these because I know that's it's kind of like a, a tricky, a, a tricky area that we're all playing in. And, and there's not really any right or wrong answer because everything is going to react differently from what we do. But the one thing I want to say is you were talking about possibly running two auto campaigns. No, I would not do that. I would have the one auto campaign if that's what you're going to do. Use that as your collection, as your data collection campaign. And uh, it sounds like it's doing really well. So does your manual campaign. But here's where I think people get a little confused or a little overexcited or happy because I heard you say 8% on one and 10% on the other. And I would die to have 8 or 10% ACOS on a campaign. Like those are amazing, right? Like I've got a couple that are like 10 and 12. I'm like super excited about those. The issue is not really the issue, but I guess the, uh, misunderstanding is really that you don't really have a lot of impressions and you don't have a lot of clicks. So yes, you're getting a few eyeballs and the few eyeballs that you get are converting. That's awesome. But what happens when we scale that? What happens when we add more money to the budget? Because if you add more budget, you still might not get the reach because you said like you're spending like $3 a day, but you're willing to spend like 15 or 20. That tells me that you're probably not reaching or it's not being searched for as much as you might think. So my first step would be, what are you bidding? So let's say that you're bidding a dollar just to keep it, it easy and you're willing to spend $20, but you're only spending $3 and you're getting 500 impressions. My first step would be let's increase the cost per click to $2 and see if our impressions go up. That'll tell us number one, if we're not bidding enough, but it'll also tell us if there's traffic there uh, for that. So we can scale. Okay. And as we start to increase the budget and the cost per click, can we continue to keep that ACOS, that percentage rate where it needs to be? All right. So that would be some things that I would be playing with. Okay. And I'd be looking at, because again, you coming out and saying like, you know, if we just had a conversation and you're like, yeah, I've got these two campaigns and they're converting one's at eight and one's at 10. I'm like, Whoa, like that's amazing. And you're like, yeah, but I'm only spending $3 a day. So it's not as impressive, right? It's not like as good as it sounds. So my first thing is let's, let's increase that. Let's see if we can actually get more traffic because if you can convert at that and we can keep scaling it game over, like you're, you're going to do phenomenal. So I'd keep the auto going, maybe increase the budget there even a little bit and just see what you can do with that to kind of, kind of ramp that up and get more data quicker. And then the other thing is in the manual campaigns, you were talking, should you take those that are converting and bring them over to another campaign? That's one way of doing it. Um, I would definitely try to keep your campaign smaller so you're not trying to manage like 100 keywords in one, right? And especially once you get ones that are converting, especially... If you pull your if you pull your data report in like an auto campaign and let's say that you see that there's a three word phrase that's converting every single time pretty much, right? Well, then your next step would be to take that three word phrase, 
grab another or create another campaign and then create a phrase match for that or an exact match for that and then just run money to that keyword itself in the phrase or in the exact. And then from there, you're going to be able to just target that one phrase that is converting or that is getting more traffic. Um, so that would be the steps. Keeping things smaller a lot of times, especially as you're scaling, will allow you to see more quicker. Um, and you're not trying to manage all these keywords. The other thing is when you have a, a campaign that has 100 keywords or more, your budget is being allocated for all of those keywords. So a lot of times it's going to, you know, maybe start focusing or Amazon's going to start pushing, uh, you know, views on, you know, five keywords that they think is relevant and you're not getting any on the other because it's not taking that, that, uh, campaign and spreading it out amongst all hundred. So I like to keep them smaller, um, especially in the beginning. So that way there you, uh, you can see the numbers quicker, but you can also take that budget and focus it more on individual keywords or at least, you know, your top 10. Um, so that's what I would do. But again, I think Ray, at this stage, you need to add more money to your, to your budget, not necessarily your budget to your cost per click. I think you need to increase that. Keep your budget at around 20 bucks, increase your cost per click and see what that does as impression wise and see if you're still, as you're getting this, this traffic increase, are you still converting at the eight or 10%? And then from there, I'd continue to scale that if it was, you know, even if it was depending on your profit margin, I would even keep doing that if it was 25 or 30%. Um, why not? And because that's going to drive organic sales later on, on the backside. So, um, hopefully this helped you or anyone else that's listening. Uh, no, I would not do two auto campaigns. Um, and then, uh, two, the second part of this is I would, uh, take the ones that are working and definitely make sure that you can focus more of your budget on those and strip out the ones that aren't. And if you want to strip them out, put them in another campaign, then do that. That way there, the budget isn't going towards those ones that aren't getting any, uh, any, uh, sales or just even taking up part of the budget. So that's what I would do. All right. So hopefully this helped you or anyone else, like I said, listening, that's, that's battling with this pay-per-click thing. If you guys uh, want to check out the free resource that we have put together, myself and Chris Schaefer on pay-per-click, head over to the amazing forward slash PPC. There's a whole set of training there. Chris and I did over, I think it's over like three and a half, four hours of training over there. A lot of questions we've answered that you'll probably find useful. So definitely go check that out. All right, guys. So that's it. That is going to wrap up this episode. I'm going to remind you on the show notes to this episode can be found at the amazing forward slash 514 and if you want to ask a question of your own here and have it aired on an upcoming ask scott episode head over to the amazing forward slash ask and you can do that you can ask a question right there all right guys so that's it that's going to wrap it up remember as always i'm here for you i believe in you and i'm rooting for you but you have to you have to come on say it with me say it loud say it proud take action have an awesome amazing day and i'll see you right back here on the next episode.